Hi, welcome to Cursing Ecologist with your host, Blanca Hinojosa. Um, I only felt that it was very appropriate for my first podcast to be about the one thing that I study the most, which are diatoms. One might ask, what are diatoms? Well, diatoms are microscopic algae. Uh, there's a lot of debate if they are algae, if they're not algae, are they only photosynthetic, are they heterotrophic? Um, but <laughs> that's up for a debate for maybe another day. However, I wanted to talk about diatoms because not only did I know a lot about them, but they're actually really cool. Uh, diatoms are everywhere. You can find diatoms just about wherever the fuck you want to look. Um, but they're mostly found in water, obviously, for incredibly obvious reasons. However, that doesn't mean that you can't dig up the dirt and find diatoms. Diatoms are actually what have helped us figure out that uh, the CO2 levels on Earth are abnormal. Um, every time you hear about people going and coring Antarctica, they're actually coring for diatoms because they're such good indicators for any weather event that happened in the fucking past that it was just a really good idea uh, to just look at the diatoms that were in that past. And so most people who study diatoms actually look at diatom assemblages to understand how the environment was at that point in time. Um, and they're just really cool, like, they're just really gorgeous to look at. Search of diatoms right now, and, and, and you can just easily do a Google image search, and you'll see how gorgeous these uh, protists look. And they practically live in glass houses. Unfortunately, it's not really glass. It's uh, actually a, a SiO2 that they live in, which is considered opal. And so they actually live in opal houses. And I think I'm way, way too poor to ever live in an opal house. But that would be probably one of the coolest places to live. And so there's there's all sorts of diatoms around. There's actually a very large variety of diatoms um, that I, I don't want to name all of them because that would take like all my 22 minutes on, on here. However, I did want to talk about um, the oldest diatom fossil, and so the, they predict that the oldest diatom fossil that they have found so far is over 120 million years old, which is really cool. And if you ever get a chance to go to Yellowstone, if you're in, in the United States and you ever get a chance to go to Wyoming, uh, I highly suggest it because there um, there is actually an area where you could where you, where you could just see the oldest diatom in Yellowstone that's only found in Yellowstone. There's no other diatom that is just, just so unique, right? That you can only find in one place. Like diatoms you can find anywhere. But this Yellowstone diatom, you can see when they first found it, at what year they first did the core sampling and how old it was. And then you can actually see how it evolved over time you can see how it changes over time to different selection pressures which is amazing it's amazing to be able to see that because of how the environment in Yellowstone has changed and and that's really something that that I look at I look at how the environment has changed and so you're probably wondering like why use diatoms to determine environmental changes 
uh, tons of people use different other factors, right? Tons of people, I mean, fuck, like some people use uh, trunks, right? Uh, Trunk of a tree. It's really easy. Those are called dendrochronologists. It's really easy to tell you how the environment was in the past. But in order for me to do that, I have to look at the tree rings of a tree. Um, some people use soil sampling. Some people use fossil assemblages. You know, you, you think about geologists and, 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 and they determine what event happened and, and they start doing carbon dating or relative dating and it becomes even more unique. You can, you can figure out exactly what happened at what point in time, but you can't figure out what the environment was. You can only determine certain events you can only determine certain extreme factors well diatoms change so quickly like if you had a aquarium uh, which most likely if you have an aquarium there's going to be diatoms in there right like that green stuff that you see in your aquarium those are diatoms and so if you have a freaking aquarium and you add just a little bit of extra chlorine in that aquarium those diatom assemblages will change. Before you know it, you'll have your dominant diatom assemblage will change into something completely different. And so it's not about it's it's not about these drastic events for diatoms. It's about these small events that make a such a big change in the diatom community. And so it was really important for environmental scientists and ecologists to use diatoms to distinguish environmental factors that have occurred in the past. Because you can take a core sample and you can go back as far as you want to go back. If you start carbon dating it, then you can figure out exactly when that might have occurred. And so it gets more intense with the more funds that you have and you can figure out tons of things about the past of of your um of your environment i mean this is this is the whole idea on antarctica right you go to antarctica and everyone's seen this well i hope everyone's seen this everyone's seen some movie where they're in antarctica i mean come on if you haven't seen the thing i highly suggest watching it i highly suggest the original and i did watch the remake but uh, in the thing, and in, in, in many different movies, you always see these cool scientists, and I say cool because I really wish I could be one of them, um, out in the middle of nowhere in Antarctica get, gathering a core sample of ice. So they gather this core sample of ice to determine what the world used to look like. And why do they do that? See, this is really important. The reason they do that is because that is ice that is incredibly old it is it is untouched it's in an area that has no human civilization there's been no mining there's been nothing it's just untouched ice and so what they're what most scientists are doing is other than other than uh doing some chemistry analysis on it is that they're looking for diatoms they're looking for diatoms to understand the environment of the world and so this is really a unique opportunity for diatomists because it was it it can tell you so much and this is how we discovered 
the increase of CO2 in the air. I have no idea if I already said that uh, because I am ranting, as you know, if you read my, if you heard my first podcast. And, and and it was really unique because we can actually tell the type of environment that Earth used to have for hundreds of years, hundreds and thousands and uh, of millions of years ago. You know, not just now, not just a thousand years ago, not five thousand years ago. No, we're we're talking long, a long time, a long, long, long time, and. And it's really, it really, it's really fascinating to me that these little guys who just happen to survive any type of destruction because of their opal houses. Their opal houses is what allows them to survive th- these long periods of time and, and be just uh, beautiful, uh, absolute amazing fossils that you can clearly distinguish and probably have no doubt what that fossil or what diatom that fossil is because of their hardy silicone uh, cell wall. And so that's also something really crazy is that that's their cell wall, you know? And, and so, you know, plants have cell walls and we, you know, if you've taken uh, basic biology, you, you fucking understand that, like, the basic fucking... Uh, wall in a fucking cell is is, is is just in a plant cell is just cellulose right well this 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 silicone this SiO2 is the goddamn cell wall of this diatom and so it's like it's really unique it's like uh, this this is something that that I kind of wish we would understand a little bit more because it created a protective shell. It wasn't like bacteria that's just kind of hanging out in water. It's not like it's not like anything like that. It it's got its own protective shell. And so you know this this wants me to talk about radiolarians, but I'm gonna try not to rant too much. I'm going to try to keep it to a minimum because <laughs> uh, I do tend to go on very random tangents and then I have no idea where I end up. Uh, but I wanted to talk about diatoms. I wanted to talk about diatoms. Um, I wanted to talk about death assemblages, uh, which is what it's a term that we use. I, I've used it with other scientists and, and they've never heard of it before. Um, and so I, I don't know if that was just unique to my to my PI in my lab or, or what. But however, I... I really like working uh, with this organism, and and when I when I was younger, I I wanted to be well. When I was a little younger, not a lot younger. When I was a little younger, like a few years back, <laughs> um, I wanted to be a protozoologist, which is a zoologist on protists, which I thought was really cool. Like, oh, uh, these microscopic protists, nobody can see them. I'm totally all about it. I'm gonna be like this protozoologist, and I'm gonna like rule the world and all this stuff. Um, Dreams, you know, dreams crash really fast, but like, uh, but I really fell in love with diatoms and, um, I have like a love hate relationship with diatoms. I I love what they do. Uh, I love what they are. I, I, I find them so fascinating and I I think they're so cool and I'm, I'm so excited every time I see diatoms in somebody's aquarium. I'm just like, ah, yeah, look, look at them. They're persevering. 
How'd they get there? I have no idea. <laughs> like, did they get there on your fish or on your plants? I don't know. I don't know how they got there. They just they just popped up, and it's just amazing, and I really love it. They pop up anywhere. You know, you slip on a rock in the river, and, and that's diatoms. You look at it, and it's this green goop, and you're just like, no. Now I know that's diatoms. That green goop is diatoms. So um, I'm hoping that, you know, my... My graduate research project will be on this particular diatom called uh, Diriosphenia uh, heminata, and, uh, and and this diatom is a nuisance. Like it is the nuisance diatom. You know, there's tons of diatoms that are nuisance, uh, especially in aquariums, uh, where people like you can you can look up diatoms on YouTube all day, and there are tons of YouTube videos on how to get rid of diatoms uh, on your aquarium. But uh, Didio, uh, or Didymo, um, as, as it's called for short, uh, makes these shaggy carpet mats on the, in the river. And so you're kind of walking through it, and it's just this really intense shaggy carpet, gloopy, nasty, snotty-looking diatom mat. You know, it's not microscopic anymore. You could pick it up. You could throw it at your, you know, you could throw it at your brother. You could throw it at your sister. I, I don't care what you do with it, but you could actually pick it up and <laughs> look at it. And it's, it's fucking gross. It's nasty. It's, it's gloopy and it, you can see it. And this is this diatom that just creates this stalk like a plant. And attaches more diatoms to it. And that attaches more diatoms that aren't even it. It's not even the same species. Just some diatoms happen to get caught in the party, you know? You're having a party at your house and no one is really invited but your friends. But somehow your neighbor starts showing up and then their neighbor starts showing up. And then you have this big old house party. Um, and you just keep partying because you're, you know, the beer is still in the cooler and the food is still coming out. Who, who, who gives a fuck, right? You're just going to keep partying. That's what happens. That's what happens. That, that's what happens during this time. And we're trying to figure out why. Why does that happen? Um, and, and so that's what I will be working on. Hopefully I'll be working on. Um, I don't find out if I, if I go and do this project until later. Um, and that's just the vague project. You can't just like tell me that you know what I'm talking about. But like, um, that's that's the vague project that I've been working on. And so I really, really enjoy the idea that um, I can get to work with diatoms in the future. I kind of want to understand more. I want to understand deeper things on diatoms. I want to understand more broad things. And I really want to move into uh, different spectrums on while working on diatoms and so that's kind of where I, I sort of sit and I really really like to talk about this and, and if you know if you guys ever have any questions about diatoms I'll be more than happy to answer it but here look I'll give you guys uh, my somewhat small credentials that I have I've been working with diatoms uh, for about three years now um, I started working with diatoms in a lab at my university my local university uh, which is a small university um, as an undergraduate. And um, as I worked in my undergraduate career, I, I did a few, I did an internship um, in Poland to work on diatoms in the Gulf of Gdansk uh, or Danzig, oh, uh, Dan, uh, the Danzig Sea, I think it's called in, um, in, uh, 
in in English. Uh, when I was up there, they just called it the Gulf of Gdansk, which makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and and I learned a lot. I learned a lot about diatoms, and I've been learning a lot. And I have books on diatoms, and I have a tattoo on diatoms. I mean, like I'm I'm really dedicated to these guys. They're they're very unique in a sense, um, and so I I really enjoy. Uh, thinking about them and you know the coolest thing is that diatoms have been around for so long uh there's been stories that say that like the first the first microscopic creature that was looked at was a was was a was a droplet was a droplet of water in which they saw diatoms and there's tons of books that were catered uh, during during uh, this time to, for children to become diatomists because like there's so much that we don't know about the water right and, and so they were trying to get kids to want to look in the microscope and diatoms were the things to look at and you know it goes back like you know you, if you search up diatoms you're most likely going to look at a print of Ernst Haeckel who made diatom drawings by doing a very, very, very intense, insane technique where he had, excuse me, where he had uh, the microscope uh, set up and he had his painting uh, easel right next to it and he would painstakingly, like, draw diatoms. And he did this with radiolarians. He actually did this with a lot of microscopic creatures uh, that are really cool. Uh, But you can see Ernst Haeckel paintings of diatoms um and then during the victorian era you can actually see klaus kemp klaus kemp made diatom arrangements he found out that using indian ink or uh, sorry india ink um you could actually paint the shells of diatoms and then you can intricately arrange them into shapes on a microscope slide. So look him up. Look up Klaus Kemp. I think he has a, um, I think he has an exhibit in the Smithsonian. If any of you guys are close to the Smithsonian, please let me know if that's true. I will try to find money to go over there. Um, but yeah, like it was, it's really nice. I, I tried to do it. I mean, I had horse hair. I had human hair. I had all types of different type of hair trying to pick up a diatom and move it into this intricate cool like awesome arrangement and create art with it and I I couldn't do it I couldn't do it it was so hard it was so man it was just it was sucked it sucked a lot so uh, but I highly suggest that you look up Klaus Kemp and some of his work is actually for sale so that's really cool. Well, I guess I will wrap it up and say that this is my ranting segment on diatoms. Uh, I may have been too fast and I may have been uh, all over the place. Welcome to the Cursing Ecologist, where sometimes you have no idea what the fuck is going to come out of my goddamn mouth. Thank you.